0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: You're listening to heritageradionetwork.com, bringing you the freshest radio in Brooklyn since 2009 hear directly from chefs to farmers artists to architects authors to brewers and everyone in between check out all of our shows on our website or by searching heritage radio network in the itunes store on behalf of everybody at HeritageRadio network.com we'd like to send a special thank you to the hearst ranch our biggest supporter and longest running sponsor since we first started in 2009 Hearst Ranch is the nation's largest single-source supplier of free-range, all-natural, grass-fed, and grass-finished beef. Since 1865, the Hearst family has raised cattle on the rich, sustainable native grasslands of the Central California coast. The result is beef with extraordinary flavor that's as memorable and natural as the surrounding landscape. For more information, visit www.hurstranch.com.
2: You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Anne Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby, broadcast live to the Cosmos on the Heritage Radio Network.
3: It's Monday afternoon at Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn, and you know what that means. It's time for another episode of Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Ann Saxelby. Uh, Cutting the Curd is produced by Sophie Schlesinger, who will be rejoining us next week. And uh, I am very delighted to have on our show today Sue Sturman, who is, I was uh, i was saying, the force of nature behind the first ever certification exam for Cheese Professionals. Um,
4: Sue, are you with us? I sure am. Long time no see, Sasha.
3: (laughs) I know. Long time no see. We were just uh, up in Montreal together for the American Cheese Society uh, conference, which is a wonderful annual event. Um, And I think Montreal was fabulous. Did you you have fun?
4: I, well, I did. I had a blast. I always have a blast at the conference, but I didn't see much of Montreal because I was being a little obsessive about getting this program off the (laughs) <laughs> the certification program off the ground and and rightfully uh, I so a lot of time in front of my computer and and and, and buttonholing people
3: well i was going to say it's rare that you have everybody in the same place you know and 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 relatively free of their usual schedules for a couple of days so it's a pretty big luxury
4: <laughs> it is and it's such a great great gathering of people it's so cool
3: Yeah. Well, so I wanted to give actually our listeners some information because I realize, you know, it's like preaching to the choir. You and me know everything there is to know about the ACS, but for any listeners out there who don't know about the ACS, um, the American Cheese Society um, is an organization that was founded in 1983 by Dr. Frank Kozakowski of Cornell University, and it was founded as sort of a national grassroots organization for cheese appreciation and for the development, uh, further development of cheese making, both on sort uh, It started both as kind of like the home and farm level. And now it's kind of um, become a more serious uh, organization in terms of wanting to really help um, up the profile and quality in general of, um, of cheese making in the United States. Um, so that's the Cheese Society. And then this exam that Sue and I have been talking about, um, it's, uh, it's a certification exam for cheese professionals that is part of the American Cheese Society's um, agenda. And um, it's, it's going to be basically an opportunity for food industry professionals professionals um, who procure, sell, work with cheese. It's going to be a way for them to become um, uh, recognized in a more formal way than um, just their, their years of slogging it out behind the counter. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah. I like to talk about it as being an exam um, for everyone who works with cheese from the time it leaves the dairy to the time it reaches the end consumer. So it's not about certifying cheese makers, although there will be an awful lot of knowledge about cheese make that will be required because, of course, we all know that, you know, anybody who works with cheese has got to understand it.
3: Absolutely.
4: Um, But the, the exam is really going to be grounded in the doingness of working with cheese. So it's really all about, you know... Do you have the knowledge that it takes to, to work in this business? And that's a little bit different than sort of being able to read a lot of books about cheese-make process. Um, it's really about the hands-on doing this Yeah. The work. I
3: love, I feel like you've created some great vocabulary words surrounding this exam, and doing this is one of them. And good. then what was the other one that you, you said during the question writing session? You were saying that um, the pra- the practicing generalist or something like that?
4: <laughs> oh, yeah, that could be. <laughs> well, no, it was a good, <laughs> I, thought, a I felt like it was a good exam. term. Um, the thing that's kind of cool about this as a certification is that it'll cover, all the domains of working with cheese so it's not just cheese retail it's cheese you know import export wholesaling transport um, logistics Um, it's really the whole thing merchandising selling serving restaurant you know restaurant work with cheese and the great thing about the certification that you know when people pass this exam they'll they'll have a certification that's portable and that will support their portability across the domains of the industry so that someone who's got a lot of experience working as a cheesemonger behind the counter, you know, having this, having passed this exam will help them if they want to move into a different phase of cheese work um, because this will show that they really are, are a generalist.
3: Absolutely. And so as um, Well, I want to talk. Yeah, I I want to talk more about that. I'm like my brain's going in a million directions, but I think first, um, can you tell us a little bit about why um, the ACS decided to create a certification program, and and or why you decided that the ACS should create a certification program? Um, Actually, I
4: will take credit for something that I don't deserve credit for. Um, The initial idea was um, that of Lori Greenberg and Kathy Guidi, which is Guidi, which is actually perfect because that's an American and a Canadian, And we just came back from our first international ACF conference, so I kind of love that.
3: There's a lot of, um, it's like cheesemongers without borders. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, there you go.
3: I have to say, I, um, st- I totally stole that from the, Jeff Jarek from Fairball. Uh, just
4: as an aside, mm-hmm. we, have, um, we have all of North America represented on the exam writing uh, team. We've got Canada, Mexico, and, um, and the U.S., Represented, So that's I think that's pretty cool, and that was not done by accident either. Yes. Um, at any rate, back to your question. Um, it was about, mm, I, I can't remember if it was six or seven years ago, but Kathy and, um, and Lori put together a seminar at the ACS conference that year, and they brought, they brought in an, uh, a sommelier, someone who had passed the sommelier exam, and said, listen, you know, she, we all know cheese is a, the cheese industry in the U.S. is about 20 years behind the wine industry, and it's time we start, you know, catching up and looking to our brethren across the fermented food aisle and um, see what they're doing right and and. Um, So they said, you know, sparked a discussion of why don't we have some sort of a certification for cheese professionals. And uh, it was the idea caught on so strongly among the 40 or so people that were in the room that we actually spontaneously found another conference room and continued the brainstorming discussion over lunch. I've never seen that happen at ACS, and I've been going, I think this was my ninth conference
3: wow wow yeah that's incredible and so from from that wildfire um now it must be so gratifying to be so close to having a a real you know tangible exam
4: it i have been i have been floating on air i mean it you know every year it gets closer and now it really feels like we're kind of running downhill in the best possible way. You know, it, we're really, we're gaining a lot of momentum. There's, you know, from where I sit, there's a huge amount of work to be done, but we're so close. I mean, we're, we're days or weeks away from having an application form live on the ACS website. So if you're interested in this exam, check in on a daily basis to the ACS website under the tab, and it's org. It's not ACS. That'll get you to something else something else yeah i don't remember what um i think it's the association for computing i don't know it's not acm at any rate it doesn't matter cheese <laughs> society.org under the education and events tab um and there's some information posted now more is going up in the very near future we're just working out some final details um and then you'll be able to actually apply for the exam and there will be uh, eligibility. There are eligibility requirements. This yeah, let's
3: talk a little or, bit about that. I feel like that was a little, uh, yeah, one of the, a little contentious in a way, trying to figure out who would be eligible for this exam.
4: Well, it wasn't contentious, it, but it was, it was not easy. This is not an exam for rank beginners. This, this is an exam for, I like to say, the beginning level of mastery. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not for people who, you know, it's not going to, well, we don't, every, it's funny. Everyone who was in that room, being trained to write the questions for this exam, was asking themselves, "I don't know if I'm going to pass it." <laughs> I, I was <laughs> and there. No one knows because yeah. the questions haven't been written yet. Um, but uh, it's you know, it's not going to be so hard and esoteric that someone who's been in the industry for 25 years can't pass it. No, it's for the beginning level of mastery. Um, but people in the in the cheese industry have these like very funky resumes. I have a very funky resume. And so people, it's not like nursing where you, you want to be a nurse, you go to nursing school. Yeah. That's your pathway. And you can't become a nurse unless really you've gone to nursing school. Well, you can become a cheese professional by lots and lots of different pathways. So we had to set up eligibility requirements that allowed for a lot of pathways, but that also um, got at a level that established that beginning level of mastery. The point of having eligibility requirements is to ensure that people have a reasonably good chance of passing the exam. It's not to keep people out. It's to make sure that those people who want to take the exam are reasonably well qualified to actually pass it. You you know, it's high failure rates.
3: (laughs) It's really funny. When I was um, coming back, I drove up to Montreal for the conference this year. And when I was driving home, I stopped at, you know, you have to stop at customs. And I always get a kick out of telling people what I do you know they're like oh why were you in the country and I was like oh you know cheese conference and they kind of like look at you cross-eyed and maybe they giggle a little bit but they try not to and and he was like and that's (laughs) the first thing he asked me he's like
4: and a very friendly wave on my way in driving into the country it's like oh cheese conference that's cool
3: yeah (laughs) (laughs) but but so the customs agent asked me he was like did you go to school for this or something and I was like oh no (laughs) There, there is no such thing yet. Although I feel like maybe that could be your like you know, your uh, your version five Should you choose to pursue it,
4: oh, it's my mantra. It's my mantra. If you build it, they will come. To crib from a you know much beloved movie, um, the my personal. This is not necessarily the ACS's vision, but my personal vision is that when there's a Certification exam. There'll be lots of incentive for people to build programs of education for serious. Sorry, that's my dog. Um,
3: (laughs) He he agrees. He's like more certification uh,
4: professionals because we've got lots of uh, lots of education for cheese makers, and we've got lots of education for cheese lovers. But there's not a lot of education programs that are not proprietary within companies. It's for. um, for people who want to work with cheese, and I think that I'm actually already hearing noises from some of our colleagues that were ACS that are saying, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I'm going to build a, pro- I'm going to build education towards this exam." That's been Which te- is very cool because what we're doing in these terrible economic times is creating not only a professional career pathway for cheese professionals by creating a certification that they can take with them and that they can. You know, leapfrog into higher levels of responsibility, but also job opportunities, you know, whole.
3: Yeah. And I have to just interrupt for one second and say that, you know, of the, you know, the economy is kind of in the toilet right now. But, you know, uh, cheesemakers that I talk to on the whole are just growing each and every year. And so it is an industry that has been, you know, incredible these past couple of years. And so it is also about job creation. You're right. Yeah. Um, But so we have to go to break in just a second, but it's funny. We were talking about eligibility, and we never got to the actual number. So what is the eligibility criteria for this uh, exam?
4: Okay, rock bottom. It's a little complex, as I was indicating, but rock bottom, minimum of 2,000 hours of direct work experience with cheese, and that can be paid or unpaid because I know a lot of people do stages. Um, and that's valid. But 2,000 hours of actual work with cheese, which is the equivalent of about one year full-time, if you calculate it, 40 hours times 50 weeks, um, you know, equals equals 2,000. Equals, um, plus another 2,000 hours. That could be in com- um, continuing education, professional development, professional education, formal education through like a, a, a cooking school or something with, a, with a, an actual degree, or it could be just another 2,000 hours of direct work experience. Excellent. So there's a lot of different pathways to get there. But, a, you know, rock bottom, you have to have at least a year of hands-on work experience plus another year's worth of similar work. In the field.
3: In the field. Okay. Okay. Well, I feel like that's a good place to leave off. We're gonna take a super quick break and when we come back, we're gonna get more into the nitty-gritty of this exam and uh, when will it first be administered? Stay with us Can't on wait. cutting the
1: curd. Please believe I'm only traveling. Like seeking wonder
2: from a foreign place is not from where I'm coming, and the snow so light is bleeding. We sleep so tight when we're breathing. Come a little.
3: We are back on Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Ann Saxelby, and today my guest is Sue Sturman, coordinator of the first-ever Cheesemonger certification exam which is a part of the american cheese society if you have questions for us please send them in to info at heritageradionetwork.com we'd be happy to answer any questions listeners have about the exam uh, if you have comments about uh, the idea of certification um, or if you have suggestions for us um, send us an email and we will definitely get back to you Um, so Sue, right before the break, we were talking about eligibility and you had mentioned at some point during the first segment that you had a pretty wacky resume. I would love to know more about you and how you ended up getting into the cheese business.
4: Oh, man. Okay, I'll try and give you the short version. I have a degree in public relations with a minor in organizational communications from Boston University. Then I went to work for Mobile Oil Corporation in public relations. Then I worked for Doyle Dane Burnback Advertising. Then I worked for the Bank of New York as employee activities coordinator for 7,500 people in two regions. Then I went into – this is really the short version. Then I went into (laughs) – um, hotel sales for a very short time, then I went into catering in Boston, and then um, then we moved to Paris and I went to the Ecole de Gastronomie Francaise Francisco the cooking school at the Paris Ritz, completed the program there and was then um, hired, Have the incredible good fortune to be hired as assistant director of the school, um, in which capacity I served for two and a half years, and one of my job responsibilities was to teach the cheese class, the French cheese class. So I taught French cheese at the Paris Ritz for two and a half years. Phenomenal. And <laughs> um, and then I had a catering business in Paris for about a year and a half. Then I had a baby. And right after that, we moved back to the States. And then I had another baby three years later. And then when... Nicholas first baby was Sarah, because they're listening, and second baby was Nicholas. (laughs) And um, and when Nicholas was about two, I, which was he's ten now, um, I started a business called Epicurean, and uh, I taught cooking class, custom-designed cooking classes for small groups of people in their own homes, and I taught cheese classes. And I taught through Murray's. I taught through Agatha and Valentina in Manhattan because this was a business in New York. Um, I taught privately for, co- you know, corporate clients, etc. And then, uh, and somewhere in there, I joined the ACS. I remember the first time I joined the ACS, first time I went out to the conference was in San Francisco. And I laughed up my sleeve the whole time that I was going to go hobnob with the folks from Kraft, <laughs> He <cheese> spread. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, funny that, funny how things turn out. Because this year, and I think this is a real testament to the American Cheese Society and the artisanal cheese movement. Did you see who got a second place ribbon? At the conference this year, in one of the cheese spread categories,
3: <laughs> I was in the room for the cheese spread category. I can't remember though. <laughs> who who won? Tempty from Kraft. Oh my goodness! Kid you not? Oh my goodness. Well, the cheese the cheese spread category is sort of a. Yeah, it's just one of those categories. Whenever I walk by certain tables at the Festival of Cheese, such as the cheese spread table or the low-fat, low-salt table, I That's just not kind of a
4: table where everything's been gobbled up right away. Is it?
3: No, 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 no.
4: <laughs> but you know, an unwanted step. Well, it's not an unwanted stepchild. But it is not one of the. G- glamour categories.
3: No, but you know it's funny. I, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like that's another constant debate in the ACS: who should be allowed Our to submit. Still are
4: pretty rigorous. You know, it's it's really cheese.
3: Yeah, and it's and it is kind of equal equal opportunity. <laughs>
4: yeah, but so Listen, if craft is coming to ACS, we must mean something.
3: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. But so you were very su- cool. You were surprised to find things other than craft in San Francisco. When I was went.
4: blown away. Remember, I was coming to ACS as a total French cheese snob, and I was completely blown away. I'm just the quality of American artisanal cheeses in, uh, these days is just. I'm so proud, and I and I every opportunity I get, I do a cheese class that's all American.
3: I well, I amen to that. I was uh, <laughs> we've recently started distributing some French cheeses as well for Hervé Mons, who's uh, an affineur based outside of Lyon. But I definitely founded my business on American cheese as well, and and I yeah, I've got a lot of got a lot of love. Um, well, so let's get back to the test itself um, and, and actually the process of creating the test. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you went about researching how you make an exam and who you would enlist to help you make this exam?
4: Yeah, we've had a, a team, a central team of volunteers for all these years. And people. some people have cycled in, some people have cycled out. Um, I think Max McCalman and I are the two Steady stalwarts that have been on the committee from day one, um, and then a lot of really amazing people have come—you know—come through the committee as their lives and their work lives permit the time to work on it. Um, and we have conference calls pretty much every week and have from, for years. Mm. Um, we looked at a lot of different programs in doing our research, and it took us a long time to figure out that we couldn't just put on a show in a barn. We couldn't just sit down and write an exam drawing on all our Phenomenal cheese knowledge and wisdom. Um, we, were, had, we had the incredible good fortune to have um, a fellow named Jeff Catcher who had spent 25 years, 20 or 25 years, in the credentialing industry. Who knew there's a credentialing industry?
3: Yeah, um, <laughs> certainly not me before last week.
4: <laughs> yeah, who came to um, an ACS conference because he wanted to open a cheese shop. At, you know, one of these funky pathways. And he joined the committee and taught us all about how to really do a credentialing program that would hold its own um, within the credentialing industry. And so that's how we learned that we really need to be working with credentialing consultants. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ACS, you know, it's, it's its own unique animal. It has its own needs. It's a, it's a fairly unique industry So, working with rather than just copy what has been done elsewhere, we have been working with these very, very wonderful consultants, NAP associates um, out of New Jersey, who have really um, led us by hand every step of the way and said, "Yes, you do it this way. No, you don't do it that way." And the whole process has required. Team after team after team of our peers in the industry. I mean, you were in the exam writing training program on Wednesday, and there were twenty-four of your of our peers in the room from all the different sectors of the industry, including cheesemakers. Can had Can a you talk about? I, I mean, I, establishing the eligibility requirements. We had yet a different team of people establishing the exam specifications. We're going to have two further teams of people who are going to review the questions and vet them out and make sure that they are you know accurate and that they're they're, they're well written and we're being hand handheld through every step of this process by um by the consultants but just to date we've had i counted it up it's somewhere in the vicinity of 60 um 60 of our peers have to date personally touched and contributed to this exam program, and it'll, that number may well double by the time the first exam comes around.
3: That is, well, it's, it's, it's really exciting. You know, I, I just, I can't wait to see the, um, you know, the reaction um, next year. When the exam is available and um, and, pe- and to hear feedback, um, but can you uh, yeah can you talk about a little bit about when uh, people can expect to take this exam and what it will entail uh, in
4: terms of yeah how the test will be administered? Well, God willing and the crick don't rise, uh, July thirty first, twenty twelve in Raleigh, North Carolina, the Tuesday of ACS Conference Week, in conjunction with the ACS Conference, we will be holding our first exam. woo Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> it gives me chills just to say it. It's been such a long time coming. Um, and uh, the exam itself will be an electronically delivered 150-question um, multiple-choice exam. Um, and I know what your next question is going to be so I'm ready for it. Um, and uh, it'll take about three hours. Wow. And at the moment, we have spaces for 150 people to take the exam in the first class. And for the first two, three years, we're going to, have, we're going to be offering the exam in conjunction with the ACS conference. And then after that, in our business plan, um, is the notion of expanding it and holding it in other locations at other times of the year that that make it a little bit more available to people, possibly in conjunction with fancy food or some other industry gathering. Um, But we want to make sure that we have a couple of years of working the kinks out first and making sure that we kind of really have a great program going.
3: Well, you did. You guessed my next question. I was going to say, what about people who can't go to ACS for some reason, either because of the expense or because, you know, they live in Lithuania? I think I (laughs) – didn't you mention you got an email from somebody in in Lithuania or Latvia who wanted to take the exam?
4: Uh, yeah, it's very cool. I've, but there's been interest expressed from Australia, from England, from I don't. It, it, our staff person got that email from somewhere in Eastern Europe. I don't know exactly what the country was, but yeah, it's amazing. I have no idea even how they found out about it. But um, yeah, so far we're not. I mean, you know, I, I got to get my. got to get this program from here to next July, and looking three years down the road, I, I, I don't have a lot of details yet
3: understood one step at a time (laughs) well now let me ask you a question that I've actually been curious about because I have to admit in my own thinking about this exam I have um, you know I am completely convinced that it is a wonderful fabulous tool that is going to not only um, inspire people to learn more but inspire yeah like you said educational opportunities and such but what do you think about um, you know this exam process versus the apprenticeship approach because this is sort of a different approach than maybe you might find in, in France or some, something where people are just expected to learn by actually, you know, committing themselves to a,
4: a master for a number of years. Well, oh, absolutely. An exam doesn't substitute in any way, shape or form for education. And, and as the French so elegantly put it, formation, formation. So that's, you know, hence... Um, you know, the requirement of having hands-on experience with cheese, yeah, absolutely. That's really important. In fact, unless you have that, you can't take the exam. We won't send you the registration materials. So absolutely, that's a critical piece. People do need to have hands-on. And, and, you know, passing an exam is not a be-all and end-all it's a it's a it's a distinction that certifies that you've got sort of a beginning level of mastery um, but the exam uh, the hands as they're called the people who hold the certification and can put ACS on their business cards um, and they will be required every three years to demonstrate um, uh, that they have uh, done continuing education, continuing professional development in order to maintain their certification. That's, so who, that's great. Education and deepening your knowledge and deepening your experience is absolute bedrock. This is a way to secure that.
3: And then in addition, I mean, something that was talked about a little bit um, at this year's conference was just then the possibility of expanding the idea of this exam to include more specialized versions in, in future years, which I think would be very cool. So there could be something specific for a versus retailer versus um, importer, you know, there, there's just kind of a, a lot of directions that could be taken.
4: The future development of the program is absolutely wide open. I mean, there's a bunch of different directions that it can be taken either simultaneously or, you know, or in some order, and I, you know, I'm not predicting where it's going to go, but one thing that I thought you were going to ask me about but you haven't yet is why aren't we having a practical exam? Um, But that could, and I can answer that if you want to ask it. (laughs)
3: Sure, why aren't we having a
4: practical exam? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll come right back to that question. Um, But that could be the next step up. Or part of the next step up, um, there definitely could be specialized exams for the next level up if people want to do that. But you know, one one of the things that came up in the town hall meeting that Will Studs was who was who was um, facilitating that meeting at at the conference this year was the notion of certification for cheese makers. Yeah. Well, that that's whole another ball of wax. Yeah. So that could be another way to take this expertise that we've developed within ACS for, you know, developing a credentialing program and, you know, pass it and applying it to
3: the cheese making profession as well.
4: Applying it to the cheese making profession. Yeah. So, you know, there's all sorts of directions that we can go with this. I'm personally just focused on the first one.
3: <laughs> well, it is an amazing, amazing feat. Um, and I am, I'm sorry to say that we're out of time, but, um, I, I've been so, um, I don't know, I've been very inspired by the process of being able to help with, uh, the writing of the questions and I hope that I, you know, that I do my job well and, um, Definitely can't wait to take the test next year. And just, just one more time, would you mention again how people can get information about it, about applying for the exam um, online? Um, the
4: eligibility requirements are already up on the website, and that's at uh, www.cheesesociety.org. Org, and you go under the events and education tab, and you'll see a number of related uh, pages. And keep watching those pages because soon there will be more pages with a whole handbook about applying for the exam and the actual application form. Awesome. Coming soon.
3: Coming soon. (laughs) We'll wait with bated breath. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Sue, for taking time out to be on the show. It's been really, really fun to talk with you and to learn more about it. And um, I, for one, am very excited to take the exam.
4: Well, thank you so much for, you know, for committing to working on writing the exam and for all of your support and enthusiasm. This was great fun. And I just, I'm raring to go.
3: Here's to a whole new generation of (laughs) cheesemongers. So, um, well, we will see you next Monday on Cutting the Curd, and thanks for listening.
2: Hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd. Hosted by Ann Saxelby. You're listening to Cutting the Curd, hosted by Ann Saxelby, broadcast live to the cosmos on the Heritage Radio Network.
3: Every spring at the end of kidding season, goat dairies across the country are faced with the question of what to do with their male bucklings. Because on a dairy farm, there's no role for a male. Often the most economical thing for these farmers to do is to call the animals at birth or ship them off to the commodity market. Heritage Foods USA is embarking on a new project, No Goat Left Behind, looking to step in and fill this niche by creating a marketplace for these male bucklings. Visit us at www.heritagefoodsusa.com to learn more and to reserve your goat this coming October.
4: This is Behind the Scenes Food News with Katie Kiefer. There's a lot of posturing and talking around raw milk these days and how great it is. But if you really want to get a full-on investigation into the pros and cons, the risks and benefits of raw milk consumption, here's a nifty website. www.RealRawMilkFacts.com It has a laundry list of FAQs, along with information from studies and reports from American and European science communities. If you flirt with raw milk consumption, this is definitely worth taking a look at. This is Behind the Scenes Food News with Katie Kiefer.